Welcome to the Digital Investors Podcast with Matt and Liz Rad, where we explore how you can invest in the new digital economy with expert interviews, proven strategies, and stories of success. Get inspired to grow your portfolio for the future. G'day everyone, I'm Matt Rad, CEO and co-founder of eBusiness Institute, where we teach beginners how to buy and build websites. And today I'm really excited to have a very special guest, Adrian Johnston, one of the co-founders of a company called Unibrands. Now, why today's interview is so special is because Adrian has gone out there and raised $55 million to buy e-commerce sites, websites here in Australia and New Zealand. And so Adrian has very kindly agreed to come on to our interview series today, guys, so to inspire you, not only to inspire you, sorry, but also to share with you insights into what's it like to buy websites at that level and to have and to raise funding to do it. So welcome, Adrian. Thanks so much for coming aboard. Thanks for having me, Matt. Really great to be here. Yeah, it's fantastic. I'm so glad you came up to me at that event because I'd actually already heard about Unibrands and what you guys were doing. And then when you walked up to me and introduced yourself and said, hey, I'm one of the co-founders of Unibrands, um, let's have a chat. I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, <laughs> that was a really great event. I think Flipper have done an excellent job there. Yeah. Uh, really great to meet a lot of people in your community as well. It's, it seems like a very close and tight community. So yeah, very, very impressed and very grateful to meet everyone. Yeah, and and likewise, and and big thank you for coming along. Like I said, because as you noticed, with our community, we do you know we're we're teaching people to buy and build websites. We're then we're not ready. You know, no one in our in our communities at this point by spending fifty five million on on websites, but you are. And what's interesting, if you don't mind, because. It sounds super impressive, and it is super impressive to raise $55 million, especially when you're such a young guy. Like, look at you, you know, and, you're, and that's what I said to you on that night. How have you done this? And so that's what I want to cover in this interview. But also, Adrian, looking through, I had a look through your LinkedIn profile, and I noticed you started out as a maths teacher, and it wasn't really that long ago, to now be sitting here. How the hell did that journey start? Yeah, it's a bit of a pivot from maths teacher to, so I've actually had three careers. Um, so you're right to say I started as a maths teacher. So in the UK, we have a program called Teach First, uh, which is basically where after you graduate, you spend two years working as a full-time maths teacher in what they call a school in challenging circumstances. So I was placed in a sort of difficult school in London, lots of sort of gang violence, lots of uh, wow. behavior problems. Um, it was a It was a super fascinating experience. Very, very difficult. Um, I learned a lot. Um, and so after the two years, I actually spent a third year teaching. And in my third year, I helped set up a new school in London. Um, and then after that, then I decided to, to switch careers. So I then moved into the corporate world. So my, uh, my second career after that was um, investment banking. So I went to Goldman Sachs for three years. Yep. Um, then I moved into management consulting. And actually, I guess this is now my, my fourth career. So, um, so I... I, I uh, left consulting to start a business wow and when you and i were talking i think what what's incredible let's look at that that final pivot into this fourth career because you said to me you know what was it you were saying to me the other day like just a year or two ago you didn't really have any employees and now you've got 60 employees around asia how did you get into 
And why did you decide to change over, like change so dramatically from, um, you know, investment banking background into running your own business, raising funds and going out on your own and having 60 employees? What happened there? What, what was the thinking? Yeah, it's a good question. So, so uh, Unibrand is, is actually my second startup. So I've always yeah. been interested in entrepreneurship. Uh, my start, my first startup was a dismal failure. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah. So, so my first business was uh, uh, an online math tutoring business. Uh, so we paired oh, math right. tutors who are based in India with students yeah. who are based in the UK, and by doing that, you could reduce the cost of tuition from forty pounds an hour to ten pounds an hour. Um, but the difficulty with that was that I was at the same time I was working full time um, in, in management consulting. Um, we raised a bit of cash. We raised about 40,000 euros to kick it off. We built a product, um, but then essentially just didn't didn't have the, the time to, to put into it. Um, but through that journey, I learned a massive amount about fundraising, about putting a business plan together, about uh, building a tech product, yeah. and, and also just the, the very simple things about starting a business. <laughs> I don't know if it's just me, but even the idea of kind of filling in the paperwork to start a business just felt a little bit intimidating to me. But then going through that journey, um, it, it's, it, you sort of realize, ah, this is actually very simple. <laughs> you, you just you just kind of follow one step and then you follow the next step and then suddenly you've got a company. <laughs> um, and awesome. so, so that was a really interesting learning experience. And so I, I really enjoyed that journey and I was kind of looking on the periphery for what could be the next thing that I, that I, that I jumped into. And I noticed that I started to, to follow this, this trend in America of, of the e-commerce aggregators. So yeah. I don't know if you've heard of a company called Thrasio. So Thrasio yeah. uh, launched about two years ago and they were the fastest ever company to become a unicorn. So uh, that's a billion dollar company. So they did it in about 18 months. They were then copied by a company in Europe called Razor, who overtook Thrasio to become the fastest ever company to become a unicorn. And then a whole bunch of other ones popped up. But what I noticed was that nobody was doing this yet in APAC. Um, and so I started to think, hold on, I think maybe there's an opportunity here. Um, so I did some research. I spoke to kind of 10 people at Amazon, 20 people at eBay, a few people at Catch, um, just to really probe the market and, and see what, what the depth of the market is and whether there's an opportunity. Um, and came out of that, real, that research with the realization that there's a colossal opportunity in this part of the world. Um, and, and, then, and then really started from there to, to, to build out the plan. Well done. So you saw the model that Thrasio were following, which we should mention Thrasio buys up e-commerce sites. They're called an aggregator and yes. they literally have raised how many billion is it? Um, three billion. Three billion dollars. And you just heard Adrian say they're the fastest growing company. Um, wow. And and fastest growing unicorn, sorry. And that's through buying websites. Now, literally, it's e-commerce sites, which are more like not what we teach here, but it's still buying websites. And so you saw this idea, realised no one's doing it down in, in little old Australia and New Zealand. And you're still in London at that time? No. So I, I was working for Boston Consulting Group based in Sydney. Um, okay, so you were here. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'd moved, I moved to Sydney uh, two years ago in, in July 2020. Um, and, uh, and then after <laughs> six months here, I then left my job and... Uh, Right. A true entrepreneur. Go, dude. So you, you've only been doing this for two years and you went out and and, and what I, I take it you, you got some mates together and you all co-founded Una Brands. Is that correct? 
That's right. Yeah. So, so there's five co-founders of Unibrand, um, and we were we kind of were put in touch with each other through various different means, but but largely actually through the investors. So I, I started reaching out to various ah. investors to yeah. try to get to get funding for this, and uh, and I came across this one group of investors who said, "Hey, Adrian, we love the idea. We think there's big potential for this in Australia, but we can't invest in you. And the reason why is because we're already speaking to Kieran, my, who's my co-founder, and and he's based in Singapore, but we know that he wants to go to Australia, so we don't think we can invest in both of you. But hold on, hey, why don't you guys have a conversation and see where it goes, and maybe you can work together. So. Uh, I, I had a conversation with Kieran and uh, we just basically decided to pair up and and form a sort of pan APAC uh, version of this business model. So you literally met through the fundraising process. Exactly. So introduced yeah. via the, the PE fund, the private equity funds. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Wow. And so you started doing this based on an idea because how much... Here's the question for you, Adrian, and this is the bit that I want you to inspire our community with because you know we teach beginners, right? How much experience did you, and no, this is public, this is going public, how much experience <laughs> did you have online before when you got this idea, like running well, an online? I know you did your startup, but with yeah, e-commerce yeah. sites. With e-commerce, I, yeah, as you say, I, I was very new to e-commerce. So, so my experience previously had been working in consulting, specifically in retail. Some of that was online. Uh-huh. I'd never run any. I'd never run an e-commerce business myself. The very first thing I did uh, when I when I wanted to kick this business off was was like, okay, if I if I'm going to understand this, I need to know how to run a business. So the first thing I did was was set up a very small uh, tin pot Amazon business. I had my products, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called. It, oh, I did right. some research. It's called Claro Sports. Yeah. <laughs> we, we sell uh, pickleball paddles. So, so at the time, uh, pickleball was the fastest oh, growing sport uh, in yeah. the world. In fact, it still is the fastest growing sport in the world. Um, and so, and so, th- this is, by the way, totally independent of Una Brands. This was a kind of educational exercise yeah. for me to pick a product. Uh, pick a manufacturer, launch some PPC, you know, get a bit of a community and a website going. Um, and, and actually the business has taken off. So it's been a, it's been a fun little side hustle, but, but um, it was really just for educational purposes. That is brilliant. I love it. Love it. And then so, so all your co-founders, when you look up Una Brands, all of them have come together because you you originally had this idea and you got out there with the private equity firms and they've put you all, that's when you've all met, is it? Yeah, so, so there's different stories for each of us. So uh, we have one guy who's the CTO uh, based in India. Um, he he had worked with Kieran, my co-founder previously, so they knew each oh, yeah. other. Um, yeah. Kushal has exactly the same story as me, which is that he also had seen this business model being successful and he okay. wanted to launch like a Singapore version. Um, and so was looking for fundraising and then exactly the same was kind of put in touch with myself and Kieran through these fundraisers. And then uh, Tobias, who's the last guy, uh, joined us from Lazada um, and he, he brings real deep e-commerce expertise. He's one of the private equity firms, isn't he? Is that right? So Tobias joined us uh, from Lazada, which is the kind of APAC version of Amazon, essentially. So he... Ah, oh, okay. He, yeah, so he yes. has a real sort of operational background. Okay, so, and that's that's the team. And so that's only two years ago. Out of interest, two years ago, what was it like to raise that sort of money in Sydney? Uh, when you went around talking to people, say, hey, I've got this yeah. idea, I want to go out there and buy up 
a stack of websites. Can I have some money? Is that essentially the pitch? Yes, that's that's exactly the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so I would say the funding environment uh, changes based on the kind of stability of the economy. And mm-hmm. uh, and I would say that there was de- that was definitely a boom period for raising capital. Uh, everything was was going in positive directions, particularly for for e-commerce uh, on the back of a kind of COVID bump, uh, but also very low interest rates for a long period of time. Yeah. Uh, booming sort of you know nasdaq and and other things so so uh you know you get a lot of rejections obviously but but at the same time that uh, that was probably uh, a very very good period of time to be raising raising capital and so now so you've got got this 55 mil things have changed dramatically for you i take it like 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 we said for a start you've got 60 employees um more actually we've got about 200 employees now (laughs) oh wow okay so okay so you've gone for for you personally now i know you've brought on an operations person who's got deep expertise you know like the equivalent of amazon but for you personally running this what's that roller coaster been like over the last two years Oh, it's been it's been a super fun journey, <laughs> and uh, yeah. as you can imagine, I, I I didn't expect it to take off as quickly as it has. So it's uh, it's been a big sort of learning curve, lots of um, uh, yeah, lots of kind of successes to celebrate, and um, but also yeah, definitely learnings along the way. Uh, as as I was saying to you, one of the things that's new for me is kind of managing managing a team and managing people. Um, you know, in my previous role. You know, I'd managed a couple of people here and there on different projects, whatever, but I'd never put together a, a big team. Um, and so now, uh, so that's, yeah, that's been one of the things that I've really taken away from it is, is that experience of managing large kind of groups. And, and so let's have a look at, I mean, I can only imagine that baptism of fire going, you know, you're a young guy, not only being handed there's a lot of responsibility with $55 million, but also having you know, 200 people to run. So now down to the, the nitty gritty, the actual bit that drives your business, of course, is the buying of these websites. That's pretty key. And, and as you were, you were telling me, you know, you've the, the got The buying a, and then the growth uh, after acquisition. That's right. So do you want to explain in a nutshell your model and then can we have a look at what your buying criteria is and, and what's happening there so in a nutshell what, what's your model that, that you that you do yeah sure. yeah so we we buy uh businesses small e-commerce businesses typically they have revenue between about two million dollars and about 20 million dollars and then we invest very heavily post acquisition to grow the business and turbocharge the growth of the business. Um, and by sort of merging these businesses together on the back end, you get a whole bunch of benefits to that. Uh, from a cost side of things, there's huge operational efficiency. Um, for just to give you one example, we have a consolidation warehouse in Ningbo in China, which means that all of the brands together. Uh, pull all of their product into this one place and then we send it in one go which means that we get much cheaper shipping rates than than if you uh, kind of ship as separate companies Um, and all across the the supply chain you get that type of kind of scale benefits Um, and then on the growth side of things uh, we're able to launch our brands into multiple markets, multiple channels, uh, launch uh, new products and very, very quickly because we have the expertise. So, for example, getting it onto Walmart in America 
uh, is very difficult to do. Um, and, and there isn't like a line, uh, a phone number you can call up to, <laughs> like it's, they're very kind of, uh, they're not a super seller friendly organization is, is our experience, but it's much easier for us. One, because if you come to Walmart at scale, they're much more likely to talk to you. Yeah. But then secondly, once you've got one business in, uh, that you can then use that as your sort of Trojan horse to then kind of put all the rest of the businesses in. Um, yeah. And uh, it then makes it kind of the whole process much quicker and much easier. So in terms of, so you're building up this portfolio of websites in terms of the buy price, the, the size, what did you say again? Anywhere from what's the smallest? Revenue, revenue typically between sort of one or $2 million all the way up to about 15, $20 million. So what's your typical buy price? When, uh, sorry, at the lower end of the scale and then up to the higher end. Yeah, so so we typically buy, uh, so the way we value our business is based on the last trailing 12 months profitability. Yeah. And we typically buy a bit businesses for between about three to four and a half times the trailing 12 month uh, profitability. Um, uh, uh, and the metric of profitability that we use is called the SDE, which stands for the seller's discretionary earning. Um, yeah. And that's that's kind of a uniform, standardized way of looking at profits of these types of businesses. So you're, and what's the smallest deal you would look at? So the smallest deal, so let's suppose the business had revenue of about a million dollars. Let's suppose mm -hmm. it had a, a profit or an SDE margin of, a, of 20%. That would be about yeah. 200K profit. Right. And if you, we bought that business, and if we bought that business for say three, uh, three times the annual profit, then that would be about 600K. We then buy the inventory on top and the inventory in that scenario would probably be another 200K. So in, all in all about eight, 800K. We Absolutely. then also offer a sort of profit share mechanism um, and an earn out. Ah. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. What typically happens for the, for the seller? So I'm just thinking if anyone's listening to this who has a smaller you know, e-commerce site, because we know there is a lot of people in our community that do have that. Um, yeah. You know, what happens then? Do, yeah, do they get to join Una Brands as well or...? Yeah, so the, we, we will typically offer an earnout which is which is broken into two components. One is a stability payment, which is paid at the end of the first year on condition that the business basically has, has remained stable. So we're not expecting major growth, but just that the business hasn't kind of fallen off a cliff or, or whatever. Um, and then the second component is sort of more on the upside, which is that we will pay 50% of any increased profitability for a fixed period of time uh, after the closing of the deal. I like that. And is that, do you find that's attractive to the sellers? Yeah, very much so, because people have sort of poured their heart and soul into these businesses. Yeah. And they really want them uh, to succeed and they really believe in their businesses. Um, and I guess one of the differentiating reasons why people will choose Una Brands over another company is because they believe in our ability to grow their brand. Um, it, you know, the money, the upfront money is important to people, but at the same time, this is this is their baby they don't want to see it just die yeah. uh, and uh, you know people say to us you know wouldn't it be cool if in two years time i was walking around london and i saw my product on a billboard and whatever and yeah. and there is that there is that desire to see the brand succeed which uh, which we which the kind of profit share mechanism supports and are you finding how are you going finding the deals here in Australia? Like, has that niche worked well? That, like, the, it, what's the opportunity here in Australia for for Una Brands? Yeah, so so there's there's actually much many many more brands here than I was expecting when I when we initially kicked this off. Uh, Australia seems yeah. to be a sort of 
a hub for e-commerce businesses. And, and yeah. I know that you guys uh, mainly look at content businesses and I know that the, the, the content community here is enormous as well. But uh, there's there's just so many of these independent brands, uh, and Australia globally has a has a kind of reputation for you know natural products and uh, yeah. you know, sort of bohemian type products and, and various and sort of good design and, and those types of characteristics. Um, and actually, yeah, we've we've uh, we found loads of really great businesses here. Oh, yeah. So it's not. So you're not finding it difficult to find deals. But, no, absolutely uh, not. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Okay, and so when you so we've talked about valuing these websites, you're buying up this portfolio of websites. Yeah. What sort of things is there any quick tips you can give that you're looking for when you're doing the website due diligence? Well, there's a few things that make the due diligence um, much easier and more straightforward, which people can can do uh, to their businesses. Which is one: uh, make sure make sure you get all of your kind of uh, books in order in terms of segregating your business from your personal accounts, um, yes. and the number of businesses we, we value where we're trying to keep <laughs> apart. Okay, was this expense for my personal telephone, or was it you know part of that paid for business or X Y Z? Uh, it, it gets very painful, and it, it it's, makes the means it's more likely that the, the deal will trip over somewhere. Um, secondly, uh, one of the questions that we ask people is how much time per week do you spend on your business? And mm. the, the the lower the number, the better for us, because if somebody awesome. spends ten hours a week on their business, uh, that's uh, that's you know a, a super simple business that's going to be easy for us to take over and manage. Um, and so one of the ways you can you can get a creator business like that is by cleverly outsourcing everything uh, everything you can um, and using software and technology uh, to really streamline all of your processes um, and so uh, you know it, 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 obviously your business needs to get to a certain scale before you can do this but where you can you know outsource stuff to virtual assistants or where you can you know, use um, in our world, so like Helium 10 is a really great tool or um, Jungle Scout or, you know, there's 20 different tools that you can use that really just make your, reduce the number of hours that you have to spend on your business um, without yeah. costing the anomaly. So one of the big things then that you really like to see in these websites is, um, yeah, less hours from like a, a you know, a semi-passive, if you will, website exactly, business exactly right. the more so, passive it is the more valuable it is to you guys as buyers yes that's exactly right and uh, one example is if you're doing your own uh, this is specific to e-commerce but if you're doing your own fulfillment from your garage downstairs that's yep. going to be difficult for us uh, so ah, so yep. put it into a three three pl a third party logistics provider um and and yep. it, quite often like more often than not you'll find it's cheaper than doing it yourself anyway um and you, you get better rates and less returns and more more better customer service and more efficiency so there's lots of things that people can do to prepare their business for sale. Yeah, so it sounds like, guys, all of you listening, learn how to outsource, be working towards that. As your businesses grow, your online businesses grow, you just heard it off Adrian, you know, he's got 55 mil to spend on your businesses. Get outsourcing happening in, in your websites. And and that's, Adrian, you just got me thinking about my next question that I have to ask you. Yeah. Where, here in Australia, 
where are you buying these deals? Like, do you go through all the website brokers? I'm presuming you do, but or, or are you doing private approaches? How are you buying these these um, great websites? So we do use all of the brokers, including Flipper and, and by Flippers. Uh, we met at the Flipper event uh, last week, but we also uh, the majority of our deals comes from direct outbound research. Um, and yep. uh, yeah, so we ha- we have a tech team in India, and one of the things they do is uh, they. They have kind of scraping algorithms. They scrape all of the e-commerce websites, Amazon, eBay, Catch, Kogan, Lazada, Shopee. Um, and they provide us with kind of lists of businesses. Um, and we then have kind of tools to filter out which ones uh, we, th- we look attractive to us. And then we literally just email them and just, you know, pick up the phone. Yeah, email the owners. And that's how we've always done it. That's where we get our best deals too. Like, oh, but although really these days the brokers are awesome at bringing in the really good businesses, but you've got to pay the, the, the you know, the, the full price. Because, but yeah, direct approach is very effective. Um, yeah. and it's interesting. That's that's still your that's your preferred method too. Is it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's our main main channel actually as well. Okay. Because the, the really good businesses, if they're if they're really great, people often haven't thought about selling them. Uh, yeah. So if, if you're yeah. the first person to have that conversation with them. Then, uh, and I guess you've got a big advantage, and maybe our listeners can do this as buyers. Think about this: is the way of structuring a deal. You come in as Una Brands. You know they're going to Google you. They're going to see not only do you have money behind you, but you can offer them that nice upside, that that continued ownership. Yeah, that's right. And, and that and and we we actually teach that as well. Look, you can negotiate any kind of deal when you're buying a website. You can you don't always have to pay the full amount. You can. Um, do an earn out or you can offer, you know, share in, the, in you know, they can leave 10 or 20% in whatever. Um, yeah. So that, so it's good for the owners then we, if they do with you as the buyer, they get to take some cash off the table after all their years of hard work. Plus they can still stay in the business and grow it. So they've got security of being um, part of Unibrands. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly the value proposition that we offer. So what's, so from the buying, right, what's your, what's your plan like with exits? Because I know private equity lo- like to see shorter-term exits. Where, where does Unibrands go from here? You've got this portfolio yeah. of websites. Is, is it planned that you're going to do an IPO, you're going to list on the stock exchange, or, you, or are you going to exit at profit? Yeah, so we're not an investment fund, so we don't buy and flip the businesses. We're, we're more okay. of a house of brands. So you can kind of consider us sort of like a digital version of Unilever or PNG. Um, and oh, so for yeah. us, the kind of long-term plan is, uh, is to IPO. Um, or we could there could be a potential merger or acquisition with other, uh, with other aggregators or other kind of strategic buyers. Uh, but that's kind of how we look at an exit. So this is so basically Unibrands is a long-term buy and holder of yes. websites. Exactly right. It, yeah. it would literally just just keep growing, owning a portfolio that and that that's going to be your business day and just buy and hold and then grow. Exactly. So over this, what what's your main um what's the growth? Like what's the main growth strategy then? Because obviously it's the selling bit's not important for you guys. Yeah. So presumably you want to grow these brands. What are some of the main key things that you do to grow these brands once you bring them on board? Yeah, so uh, from a kind of revenue perspective, there are typically four levers that we pull. Um, the first one is sort of digital marketing optimization, which is basically we do a full brand refresh 
of all of the website and all of the listing in terms, in terms of SEO optimization and, awesome. uh, uh, and kind of content uh, marketing. The second lever is international expansion. So if your brand that's selling only in Australia will expand you into uh, the United States, the UK, potentially Singapore, um, other countries in the region. Um, the third one is channel expansion. So uh, typically people might be selling it on their Shopify website, but they haven't really looked much into Amazon or eBay. So we'll kind of expand out the, the scope of the channel, re channel reach. And then the fourth one is product expansion. Um, and we have a product development team and a kind of sourcing team based in China who, uh, who are able to assist uh, with product development. Uh, awesome. So it sounds like you've got a nice, very straightforward system. That's cool because you can explain that very quickly to these owners that you're acquiring as well. Yeah. You can show them a really clear growth plan there. because that, And I guess for their point of view, here's, here's something interesting because obviously you know, the majority of people listening to this do have relatively smaller websites. That can be the advantage of selling out your website to a bigger buyer because they can't pull all those four levers because they don't have unlimited funds. They, they don't, they, you know, they, they need the profits to live off. And, yeah. you know, you can come in and really drive these businesses. That's exactly right. And, uh, and we really have the kind of resource and capability to drive that growth. To give you a flavor, we have a sort of 20-person digital marketing team based in awesome. India. We have yeah. a, a sourcing and procurement team based in China. We have a operations and logistics yeah. team in Singapore. Uh, we've got a tech yeah. team in India. And then we've got a, a growth team based right here in Australia, which, which looks at kind of international expansion, channel expansion. So it's pretty cool. I guess it's a way of the future. This is what we actually used to do when we were selling um, traditional offline businesses is sell to private equity firms like yourselves or big corporates. And you go around, you buy up small businesses, get them to a certain level as yeah. an entrepreneur, especially when you're a young entrepreneur, get it to a certain level, and then you sell it to bigger guys like yourselves. It's a pretty cool win-win model for everyone. Like our audience, you know, want to work at home, do a side hustle type thing. They can build up a site over a couple of years. And then there's always a buyer like yourselves out there who's got unlimited funds to take it to the next level and really grow it. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah. It's a great, great, great ecosystem out there. Yeah. Um, that that is that is so awesome, Adrian. And big thank you for sharing exactly what you guys do. And and hopefully any of you listening can just got some awesome lessons there. But bringing it back to yourself, running this and thinking of your journey. Do you have any advice for beginners out there? Because, Adrian, it was only two years ago that you were a beginner in, in doing this. What, what sort of adv advice do you have for someone who's, you know, maybe an ex-professional person wanting to quit their job or just even have a crack at this? What yeah. would you, knowing what you know now, have you got any advice for those guys? I guess one piece of advice is to really keep your ear to the ground in terms of what, what's happening in other markets. Because I guess for me, the real, the real big break was kind of spotting something that was successful and then bringing it into a different context and a different market and adding some innovation that makes it work here. But really, it was, it was being very connected and very uh, in touch with the developments that were happening in, in kind of other, other markets. So, awesome. Yeah. And you think about it and, and seriously... Big congratulations. You, from doing that, from paying attention to what's happening in other markets, you got the idea, the multi, we call it, the, you know, you got the multi-million dollar idea and you've gone out and made it happen in the space of just two short years. 
Um, that is absolutely awesome. So fantastic advice. Be looking around and keep your ear to the ground. Look out for those opportunities. And you, you executed. That's what is so important. So many we see so many people because Liz and I we're in we're angel investors ourselves, and as we've seen over the years, everyone has a great idea. It's all in the execution. And I notice on your Adrian, I did look up your valedictorian speech, and you titled it. We should all be rule breakers. Is that something that you've always had? Where did you come up with that? Like that, obviously that's helped you here, but give us some some context around what you spoke about at your valedictorian. Yeah, I know. So the idea there is that is that uh, people I think are are too um, keen to associate what's been done previously with how things will be in the future. And actually, uh, really, the, the big way that, you, that innovation happens and that change happens and is, by, uh, is by being confident enough to break the rules of what's been done previously. And I guess the context that I was giving that speech in was with, with regards to climate change. Uh, like, in order for us to kind of transition to a sustainable energy, if we're not going to be able to do it by using the rules of the past. It's going to take some some pretty brave new thinking and brave new actions uh, on that side of things. The same is exactly true in business. Um, and so that's kind of how I think about it. Yeah, it's fan- it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, and and I and I mean this most sincerely too. Seriously, well done. When when you came up to me and introduced yourself, and I'm just thinking to know your journey within two years. Obviously, we coach a lot of people over the years, and I think you're the perfect example. Who's someone who's come up with an idea? You're driven. You have probably you know we should all be rule breakers, and you've you've applied or like you've just gone out and executed so well in an industry that really. You know, you started out as a math teacher and then got into, you know, corporate and now you're running this big organisation buying and building a portfolio of websites. I want to say a big congratulations. Really well done. It's such an inspirational story. Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's very well, kind of you to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, we're really appreciative of you sharing this with us. And if someone out there was listening to this and they're, and they're thinking maybe of selling their, their e-commerce site, um, how? What's the best way to get in touch with Erna Brands or or yourself? What What would you like them to do? Yeah, sure. So we're always on the lookout for great businesses to buy, so definitely get in touch. Um, you're welcome to email me directly. Um, my email is Adrian at una-brands.com that's spelled u-n-a-brands.com um, or you can go onto our website and fill out uh, a form um, or feel free to get in touch in LinkedIn that is awesome thank you so much Adrian for today and anyone listening if you want to hear more inspirational stories then make sure you click around our YouTube channel here but also if you're interested in if you're just starting out and you want to learn how to buy websites and learn the skills that Adrian's got then obviously I'm going to recommend you you attend our free masterclass where we go through our strategy, very similar to what Adrian just talked about. And um, But we'd love to see you on the next interview. But thank you so much, Adrian, for coming along today. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to a Digital Investors podcast with Matt and Liz Rad from the eBusiness Institute. If you'd like more great content, interviews and inspiration, make sure you subscribe here in your podcast app or visit digitalinvestors.com for more insights into the future of investing online.